Blog Talk Radio. afternoon, fellow constitutionalists, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dan Clement Show, a Christian political talk show. I'm your host, Dan Clement, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is October 25th in the year of our Lord, 2017. Remember, we're hyphen free, PC free zone, God is still in control and he does love you. And I'm broadcasting live from the Hemlock Studios here in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley in the great Keystone State. Um, had a really good show yesterday. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and, and watch uh, the show uh, yesterday. It was, uh, I liked it. I enjoyed myself. And usually when I enjoy myself while I'm watching, or, you know, when I go back over the show, uh, I, I, a lot of times I don't like watching myself. I'm not that narcissistic, but I watch to see if I need to correct any errors or stammering that I do in the you know, A's and the, uh, you know, trying to fill in space instead of just stopping for a second and collecting my thoughts and going on. And I, I really enjoyed, even though the show went over like a half an hour over it normally, what it normally does, I think it was important that we talked about George W. Bush's uh, democracy speech. I, I called it his great democracy speech because he talked about democracy in his speech more than anything else. And today, we're going to do the same thing with Senator Jeff Flake's uh, speech, about the same length, about 16 minutes. Uh, I'm going to play the whole thing all the way through, and then we're going to go back and comment on it. I'll actually have the transcript that we're going down. That way, you'll know that I'm actually talking about uh, the transcript. At least those on YouTube will be able to see the transcript. Uh, They don't have, (laughs) they haven't brought uh, that technology over to uh, podcasting yet. And again, another note. A couple uh, uh, things, uh, housekeeping items here. One, Monday I will not be doing a show. I will not be doing uh, a podcast or uh, the YouTube show. Uh, so, because uh, I got a busy weekend this weekend, I'm not sure if I'd get it, get a, even a best of show set up and get it in there. Uh, and also, uh, I'm trying to keep the podcast up with the YouTube channel and, and try to keep those even up there. So, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> That's happening Monday. I am still in the process of working on switching all my podcasts over to the DanClemensShow.com page, uh, putting a podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm putting in a um, uh, WordPress plugin. 
uh, for a service that I'm buying that's going to be less expensive uh, than uh, Blog Talk Radio. Now, I won't be podcasting live anymore. I won't have the studio. I won't have call-ins, which I haven't been taking call-ins anyway because, one, I don't have a call screener, and, two, uh, the show's not time-delayed. Once we get a call screener on here, some other things, we'll probably set up a, you know, however many second delay we need in case someone does get vulgar, we can stop the vulgarity before it airs and dump the call. So that, that's all in the future still. So up until that point, I'm not going to take any phone calls. Uh, I'll just do interviews as we can. So <clears throat> once, we, once I know for sure all this is happening, I will let, uh, I'll put a note on Blog Talk Radio uh, that we're moving the podcast over and all the archives are going to be moved over that way if, uh, in the future. If Blog Talk Radio wants to get rid of my archives there, I'm not going to lose anything. Matter of fact, I have most of my uh, podcast archived on my main computers or my main computer here that uh, uploads into a cloud. Uh, so if anything happens here on these computers, I, I have the backup also uh, <clears throat> in the cloud. So there's some of the housekeeping there. Today, I titled the show, Did Senator Flake Flake Out? <laughs> I watched his Senate speech a couple times. I went over the transcript and... Uh, I have some articles here that go clear back into July. Um, this, again, Senator Flake is cut from the same cloth as Senator John McCain. If you recall, when Senator Flake became a senator, John McCain supported him in that against, I think, a better, and I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, I do remember uh, that he was more conservative than John McCain, uh, was very... Um, uh, outspoken against John McCain and his politics and, and what he has done. And so John McCain was campaigning for Senator Flake in his place. And Senator Flake turns out to be exactly that, uh, a moderate just like John McCain, uh, wishy-washy on policy. Uh, and it just, uh, honestly, it's almost like <clears throat> that uh, Senator Flake jumped on a bandwagon here uh, of uh, being against Donald Trump but not for the right reasons. He is bought into the hype of the fake news and the lamestream media and all the uh, anti-freedom opponents that are on, you know, in the Democrat Party and in the Republican Party that are against Donald Trump because he's not listening to them. And nor should he because he walked away with the election in the Electoral College pretty handily which in my opinion gives him a mandate on his platform. Now, do I agree with everything Donald Trump's platform stands for? No. And I've said that from the beginning. Matter of fact, I didn't even vote for Donald Trump. And that's not to give myself political cover or, see, or, or let you know that you know how much better I am. I'm just, I'm a member of the Constitution Party, and I think our platform's better, and I think our candidates are better. And so I vote that way. I vote my conscience that way. But Senator Flake has run headlong into the wood chipper of political opinion that surrounds Donald Trump. And you know what? There doesn't seem to be, at least from my perspective, myself outside looking in, there doesn't seem to be a middle ground when it comes to Donald Trump. Either you love him or you hate him. 
there is there is no in between. There is no in between with Donald Trump. It seems like, um, and what really, <laughs> what really frosted my cupcakes today, <laughs> or put the frosting on my cupcakes, whatever you want. I'm not mad about it. I'm just I'm more laughing about it. Um, my uh, Facebook antagonists and those folks that uh, do not like me on Facebook and. Uh, Twitter and other social media because of my politics, not me personally, it's because of my politics and they perceive because they can't get out of their echo chamber, they perceive if I say anything good about Donald Trump that I'm a Trump supporter. But these folks seem to be in droves supporting Senator Flake because he's talking out against Donald Trump. Now, Senator Flake's demise has been in the works for quite a while. Matter of fact, I have articles in my on the show notes here, uh, going clear back to July, where he's had conservative challengers that have been polling, out polling him in, in uh, the state of Arizona. And quite honestly, I think the state of Arizona is getting fed up with these moderate senators, especially John McCain his stance on immigration. I mean, Arizona's at the front line, folks. I mean, they got a lot of trouble down there in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and South uh, w- with illegal immigrants coming up or committing crimes. I mean, um, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Pyle, you know, the, the, the former sheriff of Mayacopa County, I mean, he dealt with this on a daily basis, illegal immigration. And these, these folks down there on the front lines in Texas and Arizona, I'm not sure about New Mexico, and I'm, I'm really not sure about California, but they... <laughs> Again, they, uh, they seem to be missing the boat, and Senator Flake is missing the boat, especially on immigration, especially with you know, the, the uh, amount of damage and death and destruction that immigrants have actually created in this country. If you didn't see the news lately, uh, it, was a, it was a Muslim immigrant that started some of them fires in, in Northern California, which leads me to think, and this is just conjecture, if this couldn't be a tactic of Islamic extremists to destroy property this way and to try to kill people this way. I mean, you know, I don't think it's that far-fetched, and it doesn't take a dirty bomber. I think it just takes setting the fires in the right place at the right time with the right wind, and you got a, uh, you know, you got a blaze on your hands. You know, you got a forest fire that's out of control that's killing people and destroying property. So people are fed up with the, um, and quite frankly, and I, I do lean libertarian. <clears throat> However, li- most libertarians are very open border. And, and Americans are getting tired of this idea of having open borders that we shouldn't be allowed to control who comes into our country. We don't care who leaves our country. And this is where they get the, the, the misnomers and the misunderstandings of the southern border wall. We're not trying to keep people in. It's just like the Great Wall of China was not there to keep people in. It was to defend against the Mongol, or the Mongol, not Mongol, Mongol hordes. You know, it was a protection from outside influences on the country. And, and a border wall, fence, whatever you want to call it, would do the same thing. Matter of fact, uh, illegal crossings are way down. And people are actually fleeing the country. There, there are, Canada has, if, if you care to go watch news or, you know, especially if you get outside the lamestream media and actually watch news that I watch or follow news items, Canada's having a huge 
illegal immigration problem because there's folks here in the United States that do not like Donald Trump and are scared of the immigration policies that he brings forth, which are totally lawful and constitutional, and they're fleeing to Canada. And Canada's having an issue, you know, because Canada is one of these sanctuary countries, as it were. So Flake, and I have a good article here by Ben Shapiro I want to read to you. Uh, Flake is doing this to himself. He's shooting himself in the foot, as it were. And my question to everybody on the left that's supporting Flake now, where's he been? If you, When we go through the speech, we're going to talk about a few things. Where's he been for the past eight years? You know, a lot of things what he was talking about in the speech actually apply more to President Obama than it does to President Trump. And remember what I said, one of, one of Dan's axioms of life or rules of life. And I don't have these numbered, but usually what happens when your opponent throws baseless accusations against you with no proof, no facts, just for the shock value, you can bet your bottom dollar that they're actually the ones that are committing the sins they say you're committing. And uh, I, Senator Jeff Flake's the same way. Where was he the past eight years when Obama was, was stomping underfoot our Constitution and, and civil liberties? Where was he? Nowhere to be found. Where were all these progressives, these anti-freedom folks that love Flake now? Where were they when President Obama was stomping and, and, and treading underfoot the U.S. Constitution and, and, and folks' civil liberties? Oh, that, was, that was their man. That was their man that they had in office, so he could do no wrong. So I have a cousin out in Iowa that, that thinks you know, the sun rises and sets on Obama. That there was no scandals in his presidency the whole time he was president. Really? Gun running, fast and furious, that killed two border patrols by the weapons that the uh, then Eric Holder's Justice Department let loose in Mexico to try to trace these bad guys? That's not a scandal? Uh, the spying on uh, foreign uh, newspapers and also on you know journalists here in the United States? That's not a violation of our civil liberties. The wholesale uh, tracking of mega data with the NSA—that's not a—that's not a scandal where it's actually violating our Fourth Amendment rights. These these people are asleep at the wheel. I don't want to be on that bus that they're on if they're that asleep at the wheel. If their politics are are that way to where they will allow all these scandals and these atrocities, these constitutional atrocities, uh, allow the person who is committing them to get away with them just because their politics on a few issues align with your beliefs. And these few issues are like reproductive rights, gay rights, uh, abortion rights. As long as they line up with that, they don't care about the rest of it. Very narrow-minded in their support of, of politicians. So we're going to we're going to go over the, we're going to do that first thing today. I'm not going to leave it to the end and go way over like I did yesterday. We're going to go over this first thing today. I just wanted to sort of set things up for you on, on what's, what's going to, we're going to talk about on the show. I got a lot of articles here we can go to. We're not going to get through them all. That's why I encourage everybody every day to go over to danclemmishow.com and click on today the today's episode or yesterday's the day before and check out the stories that I share with you in there and I don't always get to them all I have a couple I'm not going to get to 
about how Trump's deregulation efforts are driving market dynam uh, dynamism. And uh, Tom Woods has a thing here about feminists. Uh, I owe you a Coke if you can make sense of this feminist science article. And I started reading it, and my brain started hurting, so I want to say that. I was going to look over that again this afternoon and try to make, at least make a reply to him as best I can, because I like Tom Woods and don't want to leave him hanging out there. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't get to those, but they're in the show notes page, and a lot of times there's a lot of articles I don't get to on the Daily Show that are actually in the show notes page, and sometimes I try to touch on them on Fridays. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to also start using Fridays as a recap for during the week and everything. So uh, here we go on the show here. Today's show, not being brought to you by Rocky Mountain High Brands, but this is the official drink of the Dan Clemens Show. Uh, and one of the reasons why I made it my official drink is, is I like it. It tastes good. I've, I've had all the flavors and they all taste good. There's not a bad one. Even the uh, lime and coconut's a good flavor. Uh, but I'm also, uh, I own stock in the company part of my retirement portfolio and I want to see them do good so I want to promote them on my show that's my right to do and they have all sorts of hemp infused drinks they're 16 ounce you got iced tea you got uh, mango energy you got berry energy you got coconut lime energy and you got straight lemonade is which what I drink they got power shots they got uh, hemp infused um, uh, food bars they have eagle spirit water which is a uh, alkaline water that they sell and um uh, and just fantastic uh, products, folks. There seem to be some fantastic folks over there uh, that are they're trying to get this to market. And it looks like we could be breaking into some markets uh, very shortly here. Uh, some more distributors have come online, which is what they're waiting for on some of the stuff. Other stuff is the plant up in upstate New York, up uh, south of Albany, uh, is well on its way uh, to being uh, built. Uh, so hopefully... We'll hear some news here shortly, either the end of the year or the beginning of next year, uh, that the plant will be coming into production. That's going to help the product and everything. So, and, and just real quick here, and this is just my experience with it, the hemp in the uh, Rocky Mountain High Brands drinks seems to help with my pain, seems to help alleviate some of the pain. Doesn't get rid of it, but dulls it enough that I can still be active later on in the day. So... Uh, that is uh, who, you know, this is the official drink of the Dan Clements Show. Today's uh, daily Bible reading comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 127, the whole chapter. So I'll read the whole chapter to you. It's only five short verses, folks. Uh, a Song of Ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. And our short Bible lesson actually goes along with this uh, by Wes McAdams. He posted this today, Psalms 127. He said, re-examine, children are like the quiver full of arrows. It's a good article. It's a good lesson. He's going to do a series of lessons on these. So I encourage you to check these out. And that, again, the link of that, of that of the um, uh, short Bible lesson will be over the show notes page at thedanclementshow.com. The quote meal today is from William Shedd, a ship in harbor is safe 
But that is not what ships are built for. And that can be correlated to Christian. Christians inside the walls of the meeting house with other Christians, it's a safe place to be. But that's not what we were built for. <laughs> that's not what, what we're put here for, folks. All right. Let's, let me get this set up. This is a CNN video. If you're on YouTube, you're going to see it backwards because CNN has a bad habit of copywriting, you know, smacking us with copyrights. So it's actually, I flipped it horizontally in my open broadcast studio. Uh, so this is um, something that, that I, I do with certain videos that I know that I get slapped with that. So this is Senator Jeff Flake announces retirement with a fiery speech. And this is on CNN. <laughs> Actually, that, uh, um, let's see here. Let me see here. Let me get over here. Oh, where'd it go? I'll find it. But that's actually a Politico um, article about Jeff Flake's, uh, he, they put out saying it was a fiery um a fiery speech. So let's let's go over here and listen to this real quick. At a moment when it seems that our democracy is more defined by our discord and our dysfunction than by our own values and principles, uh, let me begin by noting a somewhat obvious point that these offices that we hold are not ours indefinitely. We're not here simply to mark time. Sustained incumbency is certainly not the point of seeking office. And there are times when we must risk our careers in favor of our principles. Now is such a time. It must also be said that I rise today with no small measure of regret. Regret because of the state of our disunion. Regret because of the disrepair and destructiveness of our politics. Regret because of the indecency of our discourse. Regret because of the coarseness of our leadership. Regret for the compromise of our moral authority. And by our, I mean all of our complicity in this alarming and dangerous state of affairs. It is time for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to end. In this century, a new phrase has entered the language to describe the accommodation of a new and undesirable order. That phrase being the new normal. But we must never adjust to the present coarseness of our national dialogue with the tone set at the top. We must never regard as normal the regular and casual undermining of our democratic norms and ideals. We must never meekly accept the daily sundering of our country. The personal attacks, the threats against principles, freedoms and institution, the flagrant disregard for truth and decency the reckless provocations, most often for the pettiest and most personal reasons, reasons having nothing whatsoever to do with the fortunes of the people that we have been elected to serve. None of these appalling features of our current politics should ever be regarded as normal. We must never allow ourselves to lapse into thinking that that is just the way things are now. If we simply become inured to this condition, thinking that it, is just, that it is just politics as usual, then heaven help us. Without fear of the consequences, 
and without consideration of the rules of what is politically safe or palatable, we must stop pretending that the de degradation of our politics and the conduct of some in our executive branch are normal. They are not normal. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior has become excused and countenanced as telling it like it is when it is actually just reckless, outrageous, and, and undignified. And when such behavior emanates from the top of our government, it is something else. It is dangerous to a democracy. Such behavior does not project strength because our strength comes from our values. It instead projects a corruption of the spirit and weakness. It is often said that children are watching. Well, they are. And what are we going to do about that? When the next generation asks us, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you speak up? What are we going to say? Mr. President, I rise today to say enough. We must dedicate ourselves to making sure that the anomalous never becomes the normal. With respect and humility, I must say that we have fooled ourselves for long enough that a pivot to governing is right around the corner, a return to civility, civility and stability right behind it. We know better than that. By now, we all know better than that. Here today, I stand to say that we would be better served. We would better serve the country by better fulfilling our obligations under the Constitution by adhering to our Article I old normal, Mr. Madison's doctrine of separation of powers. This genius innovation which affirms Madison's status as a true visionary and for which Madison argued in Federalist 51 held that the equal branches of our government would balance and counteract with each other if necessary. Ambition counteracts ambition, he wrote. But what happens if ambition fails to counteract ambition? What happens if stability fails to assert itself in the face of chaos and instability? If decency fails to call out indecency? Were the shoe on the other foot, we Republicans, would we Republicans meekly accept such behavior on display from dominant Democrats? Of course we wouldn't, and we would be wrong if we did. When we remain silent and fail to act, when we know that silence and inaction is the wrong thing to do because of political considerations, because we might make enemies, because we might alienate the base, because we might provoke a primary challenge, because ad infinitum, ad nauseum, when we succumb to those considerations in spite of what should be greater considerations and imperatives in defense of our institutions and our liberty, we dishonor our principles and forsake our obligations. Those things are far more important than politics. Now, I'm aware that more politically savvy people than I will caution against such talk. I'm aware that there is a segment of my party that believes that anything short of complete and unquestioning loyalty to a president who belongs to my party is unacceptable and suspect. If I have been critical, it is not because I relish criticizing the behavior of the President of the United States. If I have been critical, 
it is because I believe it is my obligation to do so, and as a matter and duty of conscience. The notion that one should stay silent and the, as the norms and values that keep America strong are undermined, and as the alliances and agreements that ensure the stability of the entire world are routinely threatened by the level of thought that goes into 140 characters. The notion that we should say or do nothing in the face of such mercurial behavior is a historic, and I believe profoundly misguided. A president, a Republican president named Roosevelt had this to say about the president and a citizen's relationship in, to the office. Quote, the president is merely the most important among a large number of public servants. He should be supported or opposed exactly to the degree which is warranted by his good conduct or bad conduct, his efficiency or inefficiency in rendering loyal, able, and disinterested service to the nation as a whole. He continued, therefore it is absolutely necessary that there should be, or that, that there should be a full liberty to tell the truth about his acts, and this means that it is exactly as necessary to blame him when he does wrong as to praise him when he does right. Any other attitude in an American citizen is both base and servile. President Roosevelt continued to announce that there must be no criticism of the president or that we are to stand by a president right or wrong is not only unpatriotic and servile but is morally treasonable to the American public." Unquote. Acting on conscience and principle in a manner is the manner in which we express our moral selves and as such, loyalty to conscience and principle should supersede loyalty to any man or party. We can all be forgiven for failing in that measure from time to time. I certainly put myself at the top of the list of those who fall short in this regard. I am holier than none. But too often we rush to salvage principle, not to salvage principle, but to forgive and excuse our failures so that we might accommodate them and go right on failing until the accommodation itself becomes our principle. In that way, and over time, we can justify almost any behavior and sacrifice any principle. I'm afraid that this is where we now find ourselves. When a leader correctly identifies real hurt and insecurity in our country and instead of addressing it goes to look for someone to blame, there is perhaps nothing more devastating to a pluralistic society. Leadership knows that most often a good place to start in assigning blame is to look somewhat closer to home. Leadership knows where the buck stops. Humility helps. Character counts. Leadership does not knowingly encourage or feed ugly or debased appetites in us. Leadership lives by the American creed, e pluribus unum, from many one. American leadership looks to the world and just as Lincoln did, sees the family of man. Humanity is not a zero-sum game. When we have been at our most prosperous, we have been at our most principled. And when we do well, the rest of the world does well. These articles of civic faith have been critical to the American identity for as long as we have been alive. They are our birthright and our obligation. We must guard them jealously and pass them on for as long as the calendar has days. To betray them 
or to be unserious in their defense is a betrayal of the fundamental obligations of American leadership. And to behave as if they don't matter is simply not who we are. Now, the efficacy of American leadership around the globe has come into question. When the United States emerged from World War II, we contributed about half of the world's economic activity. It would have been easy to secure our dominance, keeping those countries who had been defeated or greatly weakened during the war in their place. We didn't do that. It would have been easy to focus inward. We resisted those impulses. Instead, we financed reconstruction of shattered countries and created international organizations and institutions that have helped provide security and foster prosperity around the world for more than 70 years. Now it seems that we, the architects of this visionary, rules-based world order that has brought so much freedom and prosperity are the ones most eager to abandon it. The implications of this abandonment are profound, and the beneficiaries of this rather radical departure in the American approach to the world are the ideological enemies of our values. Despotism loves a vacuum, and our allies are now looking elsewhere for leadership. Why are they doing this? None of this is normal. And what do we, as United States Senators, have to say about it? The principles that underlie our politics, the values of our founding, are too vital to our identity and to our survival to allow them to be compromised by the requirements of politics. Because politics can make us silent when we should speak, and silence can equal complicity. I have children and grandchildren to answer to, and so, Mr. President, I will not be complicit or silent. I've decided that I would be better able to represent the people of Arizona and to better serve my country and my conscience by freeing myself of the political consideration that consumed far too much bandwidth and would cause me to compromise far too many principles. To that end, I'm announcing today that my service in the Senate will conclude at the end of my term in early January 2019. It is clear at this moment that a traditional conservative who believes in limited government and free markets, who is devoted to free trade, who is pro-immigration, has a narrower and narrower path to nomination in the Republican Party, the party that has so long defined itself by its belief in those things. It is also clear to me for the moment that we have given in or given up on the core principles in favor of a more viscerally satisfying anger and resentment. To be clear, the anger and resentment that the people feel at the royal mess that we've created are justified. But anger and resentment are not a governing philosophy. There is, there is an undeniable potency to a populist appeal by mischaracterizing or misunderstanding our problems and giving in to the impulse to scapegoat and belittle the impulse to scapegoat and belittle threatens to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking people. In the case of the Republican Party, those things also threaten to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking minority party. We were not made great as a country by indulging in or even exalting our worst impulses, turning against ourselves, 
glorifying in the things that divide us and calling fake things true and true things fake. And we did not become the beacon of freedom in the darkest corners of the world by flouting our institutions and failing to understand just how hard won and vulnerable they are. This spell will eventually break. That is my belief. We will return to ourselves once more, and I say the sooner the better. Because we have a felt healthy government, we must also have felty, healthy and functioning parties. We must respect each other again in an atmosphere of shared facts and shared values, comity and good faith. We must argue our positions fervently and never be afraid to compromise. We must assume the best of our fellow man and always look for the good. Until that day comes, we must be unafraid to stand up and speak out as if our country depends on it, because it does. I plan to spend the remaining 14 months of my Senate term doing just that. Mr. President, the graveyard is full of indispensable men and women. None of us here is indispensable. Nor were even the great figures of history who toiled at these very desks in this very chamber to shape the country that we have inherited. What is indispensable are the values that they consecrated in Philadelphia and in this place. Values which have endured and will endure for so long as men and women wish to remain free. What is indispensable is what we do here in defense of those values. A political career does not mean much if we are complicit in undermining these values. I thank my colleagues for indulging me here today. I will close by borrowing the words of President Lincoln, who knew more about healthy enmity and preserving our founding values than any other American who has ever lived. His words from his first inaugural were a prayer in his time and are now no less in ours. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break the bonds of our affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely as they will be, by the better angels of our nature. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield the floor. All right, folks, that was uh, uh, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona, and that was his uh, uh, farewell address, I guess, or his resignation address. Um, there's a lot of things we need to unpack in here. I don't know if I have all the time. I'm going to go over if I have to. Uh, I just want to remind you there are other articles in uh, the show notes page today. Uh, a good one by Ben Shapiro, no, Trump didn't destroy Flake. Flake destroyed Flake. And now he's cynically pandering. Uh, and that's by uh, Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire. The United States Senate election uh, of uh, in Arizona. Uh, Ballotpedia has some things about that. And let me, real quick, I just want to show you this one real quick on the Ballotpedia. Um, here's all the candidates. You got Ward. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about right in here. I'm talking about right in here. You have Ward. Flake to Torah and undecided. And this is back in, in August 30th to September 7th of this year. And basically what it is is 
Um, and we'll take the GBA strategies poll. Ward is 58%, Flake is 31, Totora is 0, and Undecided is 11. Uh, in the JMC analytics, uh, Ward, uh, and this is a, uh, a female here, <laughs> a Kelly Ward, who's a doctor, uh, 47%, uh, 21% for Flake, 3% for Totora, and 29% Undecided. Um, Flake is literally having his hind end handed to him. Now, uh, Kelly Ward is an Arizona State Senator who is running uh, for his seat, running in the primaries. And there's other articles I have in here. Uh, is Jeff Flake's re-election in jeopardy by David Byler over at um, Real Clear Politics? Now, this was posted back on September 6th. Uh, uh, Senator uh, Jeff Flake may have a real conservative challenger by Ben Crow over Tea Party Tribune. This is posted on July 20th of this year's. Uh, he's made some missteps with his uh, uh, bashing Trump about his tax plan back in July 13th on Forbes.com. Uh, Howard Gleckman, uh, Flake's alpaca attack misses the real problem with, tax, with the tax code. So Flake, Flake is, is destroying himself. There's no question about it. Flake is destroying himself. Flake sees the handwriting on the wall. He's probably done, his team's probably done a lot of internal polling themselves down in Arizona and knows that they do not have a snowball's chance in the desert of surviving this. So instead of mounting a challenge, he's bowing out gracefully. He's bowing out gracefully. And, and this, folks, this is a problem. This is a problem, especially especially with a man like Senator Flake. Okay, now let's go over this real quick before uh, before it's too late here. Um, he talks about again. He uses democracy several times throughout his speech. Uh, again, uh, not knowing that we are a republic for whatever reason, like George W. Bush yesterday, and I. And I wonder how many people saw the title of my show yesterday, George W. Bush's Great Democracy Speech, and were applauding that without even watching the video. <laughs> or even looking at the uh, cover art for the video itself. Anyway, he goes on, uh, he talks about, you know, about the, off, the offices aren't, you know, that we hold are not uh, ours to hold indefinitely. Uh, I think there's a lot of senators and a lot of representatives in office that would beg to differ with you. Um, <laughs> I think it was Barbara, Bar Barbara Boxer one time said that our ideas do not have an expiration date. But they should. That's my words in there. But they should have an expiration date. Let's go down through there here real quick. Because of the state of our disunion, regret, be regret because of the... Uh, despair and destructiveness of our politics, regret because of the indecency of our discourse, regret because of the coarseness of our leadership, regret for the compromise of our moral authority, and by our all of our complicity in the alarming and dangerous state of affairs, it's time for our complicity and our accommodations of the unacceptable to end. Where have you been for the past eight years during the Obama administration, Senator Flake? Where have you been? And again, I just want, I want to scroll up here and show you the, the title of this. Full text, Jeff Flake's speech on the Senate floor announcing his retirement. Okay. 
And other places they were talking about on CNN is fiery speech, okay? Anyway, he goes on to talk about how we're, we're in a new normal and, and with the tone that's set at the top. Um, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, and I'm sorry to break some people's bubbles out there. This tone was set well before President Trump won the election last November, almost a year ago. This tone was being set against all the Republicans because of the Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton supporters out there. This tone was set by them. Okay? And this new normal was put in place and, and supported by the lamestream media. You can't blame President Trump for this new normal and that this was set at the top. Now, he's not helping anything. I'm not saying that. Uh, there, there, a lot of his tweets are not helping anything, and that's on President Trump. I'm not going to defend him or bash him about the other to say that he needs to be more careful when he tweets. But he's a man who speaks his mind. Uh, he's very bombastic uh, in his speech sometimes. Uh, but his attacks on the lamestream media are not unfounded. They are not unfounded. And so this new norm actually came into existence Senator Flake, well before Donald Trump became President of the United States. It, it started way before the primaries, before anybody was even considered the front runner. Um, he goes on, he talks about we must never regard as normal the regular and, and casual undermining of our democratic norms. Where were you the last eight years when President Obama was undermining our great republic by trashing the Constitution? By trashing people's several liberties. Where were you, Senator Flake? I was looking. I, and I'm limited on my research and, and the time I have devoted to research, but I couldn't find anything where you talked out against Obama, President Obama, and his continually bashing and undermining the Constitution and, and American civil liberties. Where were you? Where was John McCain for that fact, for that matter? Uh, the personal attacks, the threats against principles, freedoms, and institutions, the flagrant disregard for truth and decency, the reckless provocations. If I didn't know any better, I think those terms that he used should be used against the lamestream media. And, and, and his idea, and later on in his speech, he says, you know, we're you know, assigning blame. You know, we're, 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 it seems like we're all about assigning blame. Uh, uh, yeah, if there's a problem... And it's been perpetuated throughout the years. We need to go back and find out where it started and who started it. Like the poverty in the inner cities in the United States. That one you can place squarely on the Democrats' shoulders. Their policies, they're to blame for what's happening in the inner cities because of their policies. And, and you look at the, you know, Detroit's perfect example. That was run by Democrats for how many decades? And what a mess Detroit became. Got to blame somebody for it. It's, it didn't just happen out of, out of thin air. It didn't just happen for no reason. Okay. He goes on to talk about without fear and consequences and without consideration of the rules of what is politically safe or palatable, what has been going on in this country since Abraham Lincoln has been unpalatable as far as politics, as far as rules, and what is or is not politically correct or not. PC, the PC culture is destroying this country. Um, 
President Lincoln, folks, he is held up on a pedestal where he should not be. I'm sorry to say this. He's held up on a pedestal where he should not be. There was a president there that undermined the Constitution, undermined citizen civil liberties, undermined the free press, put people in jail over that, suspended habeas corpus. Is that a president that we should admire? I'm just asking the question. Should that is that a president we should be admiring, or should we look at President Lincoln as, hey, you know, I was taught one thing in school, but I'm finding out a whole different thing. Should should we still support and admire him, or should we be able to, in a civil public discourse in a civil way, talk about his shortcomings when it comes to politics and the Constitution? And Senator Jeff Flake has a lot of shortcomings when it comes to this. Um, it talks about the conduct of some in our executive branch are normal. Folks, what's happening, real quick here, from an outside view, what's happening with our, in our executive branch, again, I don't agree with everything President Trump does. I don't agree with every tweet. And sometimes I don't agree with how he tweets things out. But you know darn well, in this politically correct charged system that we have going on today, that the lamestream media is not going to help the president. Matter of fact, they are wedded to the Democrat Party, and they're going to do everything in their power to try to oust him or try to have you know have a scandal-ridden um, presidency. And again, one of Dan's rules of life, if your opponents are accusing you of something, your opponents are probably guilty of it. And President Trump, or President Obama, is, is guilty to the umph degree on everything that the, the press is, is claiming that, President Donald Trump has done, a lot of things that they're claiming President Trump has done actually happened under Obama's watch. And yet nobody has been held accountable, especially Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. That's still maybe coming in the future, but as of this point, it has not been um, dealt with. Uh, he goes on to say, reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior has become excused and uh uh, countenanced as telling it like it is when it's actually just reckless, outrageous, and undignified. Again, again, Senator Flake, where have you been the past eight years? Where have you come down on all these college protests? Oh, we're just telling it like it is. All these groups that we've, these intersectional groups have been marginalized and oppressed, we're telling you that's what they are without any facts, and we're telling it like it is. Yet they're lying through their teeth. I don't hear anything out of you about that, Senator Flake. Again, he talks about it's, it is dangerous to democracy. Uh, he says, when such behavior uh, emanates from the top of our government, it's something else. It's dangerous to our democracy. Again, we're a republic, not a democracy. Such behavior does not project strength because our strength comes from our values. And he goes through a whole long litany down here talking about governing, talking about the Constitution, and again, going, and, and we didn't get down here yet, but talking about uh, fulfilling our obligations. Here today I stand to say that we uh, would be better serve the country and better fulfill our obligations under the Constitution by hearing to Article One, Old Normal. Duh. But are you doing it? Can you honestly, anybody listen to this program here, anybody in politics, anybody that watches politics or tracks politics, can you honestly say that the government we have today, 
the government that's in place today with all the bureaucracies, all the regulations that keep coming out every day, can you honestly say that that is the old norm in Article 1 of the Constitution? Can you honestly say that? If you can, if you honestly say that, you're delusional. You're absolutely delusional and you're part of the problem. He goes on to say Mr. Madison's doctrine of the separation of powers, uh, this genius innovation which affirms Madison's status as a true visionary and for which Madison uh, argued in Federals 51. So let me stop the reading there. This was not Madison's idea. He brought it forth, but this was not Madison's idea. He got it from folks that of the Enlightenment that laid these principles down hundreds of years before Madison came along. Madison just brought the ideas to the forefront. Um, and Federals 51 held that the equal branches of government would balance and counteract each other when necessary. Ambition counteracts ambition, he wrote. Well, let me stop here for a second. How many senators do we have today that look back at the 17th Amendment and say, you know what? The states do not have their counterbalance in the federal government as they should have. The 17th Amendment took that away, and, and we think that that's wrong-headed, and we need to eliminate the 17th Amendment. How many senators living today, or since the 17th Amendment has been put in place, there might have been some, but how many living today want to see the 17th Amendment go away and allow the states to have their say as a check and balance on the federal government? I dare say none of them. Especially Senator Flake, I've never heard him say that we need to get away, get, do away with the 17th Amendment. If decency fails to call out indecency, again, where have you been the past eight years under the Obama administration? Republicans meekly accept such behavior on display from dominant Democrats. Um, where have you been the last eight years? The Republicans were trying to stop President Obama and they couldn't. Had too many Republican senators like you, too many moderates like you and John McCain that were siding with President Obama over these things. <laughs> I just, I shake my head when I hear guys talk like this. I really do. When we remain silent and fail to act, when we know that that silence and inaction is the wrong thing to do because of political considerations. Yeah, and that's the problem. There's too many people up there being too politically correct or looking to say, boy, if I go this way, it may jeopardize my reelection." And that's exactly what he's looking at, folks. If you want to break this speech down to its base reason why he said it, is he knows he's going to get his behind handed to him in the primaries. He probably wouldn't even survive the primaries. So why not go out on top? Why not, why not go out undefeated? as it were, retire before they have a chance to retire you. <laughs> These guys crack me up. And he talks about, you know, he's getting out. He can do better outside the office. You know? Um, he goes on, he says, Now I'm aware that more politically savvy people than I caution against such talk. I'm aware that a segment of the party believes that anything short of complete un unquestioning loyalty to a president who belongs to my party is unacceptable and suspect. Or suspect. Um, who? There's a large part of the establishment Republicans in the party that do not agree with Donald Trump. Because they want to see the status quo remain. There's a lot of congressmen that do not establishment uh, uh, representatives. 
that do not agree with Donald Trump because they want to see the status quo go, uh, or stay, I should say. The notion that, uh, that one should stay silent as the norms and values that kept America strong are undermined and that the alliances and agreements that ensure the stability of the entire world are routinely threatened by a level of thought that goes into 140 characters. And there's a direct dig at the President of the United States. Again, where have you been your whole political career, Senator Flake? You're not keeping the norms of America. You're not keeping the norms of the Constitution. So if you're not keeping them, and yet you're criticizing the president for not keeping them, which I think, if you go to my last Friday's show with the uh, Professor uh, F.H. Uh, Buckley, how President Trump has actually been trying to move us back closer to the Constitution, whether on whether on purpose or by mistake. Now, that's my words, not Professor Buckley's. Wh- where have you been? What have you done to bring us back to a, a more constitutional government? You've been absent, Senator Flake. You've been totally absent. Um, the president is merely the most important among the large number of uh, public servants, and there, therein lies the problem. The president shouldn't be any more important than anybody else. We put too much faith, to, to, we stake too much of our country's well-being on the president of the United States, and we should not do that. We shouldn't. Therefore, it is absolutely necessary that there should be full liberty to tell the truth about his acts, and this means that it is exactly as necessary to blame him when he does wrong as to praise him when he does right. Well, didn't he just talk about, and he was talking about in the speech, talking about, you know, it's wrong that, you know, that we should just lay blame on somebody? Isn't he a little hypocritical here or contradictive of his own terms? And yeah, we should. We should. When things go wrong, it's under his watch. Let's do it. And again, where have you been the last eight years, Senator Flake? Um, acting on conscience and, a pr- and principle is the manner in which we express our moral selves, and as such, loyalty to conscience and principle should supersede loyalty to any man or party. Well, you know what? That's not... That's not how the establishment thinks. That's not how the establishment Republicans think. And this is the problem they have with Donald Trump. He is his own man, and he's putting principle ahead of party to a certain extent. And you don't like it because you have never put your principles ahead of party. You're a moderate. Moderates don't do that. Um, I, I'm running out of time here. I'm, I am going to go over a little bit, so if you... Lose the live feed out there if you're trying to get in uh, on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, it won't happen. I am going to go over just a little bit here. Um, act, okay, I certainly put myself at the top of that uh, list to fall short in this regard. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad. He goes, I'm holier than none. But too often we rush not to salvage principle but to forgive and excuse our failures so that we might accommodate them and go right on failing. I don't know anybody that's honest with themselves that do that. Not I, I don't know anyone personally that, that thinks that we need to just forgive and excuse our failures so we might accommodate them and go right on failing. I want to be forgiven of my failures, but I don't want to repeat my failures. What kind of sense does that make? That we'd want to do that. 
And, and again, I, I do call into question your principles. Because where have you been the last eight years? Here's where he's talking about when, when a leader correctly identifies real hurt and insecurity in our country, instead of addressing it, goes looking for someone to blame. In order to solve a problem, you have to get at the root of the problem, not just fix the symptoms. It has to be blamed on something. If I'm not feeling good, if, if, there's cert, if I have certain symptoms, and all you're doing is treating the symptoms without trying to find out exactly what's wrong, it's like, you know, if you're treating the symptoms of cancer without going in and finding out what the root cause of the symptoms are, the patient's going to die. What kind of, what kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And again, Senator Flake, where have you been the past eight years? Where have you been? If I'm the problem, if I've caused the problem, you need to blame me because I was the cause of the problem. You're looking for someone to blame. There's perhaps nothing more devastating to a pluralistic society. That's because, that's because of the way folks are raised. Now, now, Senator Flake, folks, is my age. He's born 1962. I'm 55. And I, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say he's part of my generation. I really am. Uh, this, uh, the milk toast way he, had, he approaches things. And like I said, somebody said that this was a fiery speech by Senator Flake. And I'm like, um, if this is fiery, I'd hate to see dull. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd hate to see a mundane speech if this speech is fiery, folks. He goes on talking about character counts. Leadership does not knowingly encourage or feed ugly and debased appetites in us. The problem that a lot of these Republicans have with Donald Trump is he points out the hypocrisies and the inaccuracies, like the fake news media, he calls them. I call them the lamestream media. He calls them out. And for whatever reason, Senator Flake doesn't like that. I call him out on this quite routinely on this show when they spread fake news. And yes, character does count, but you have to have the right type of character. You have to have the, excuse me, the right type of character. Um, oh, this, this one, I, I love this line here. When we have been our most prosperous, we have also been our most principled. Um... Hello? Hello? Where were you in the meltdown, the housing meltdown in 2008? We were very prosperous leading up to that, but were our most principled? Honestly, just looking, just taking this, and I know it's unfair just take this one speech and judge his whole career, but it seems to me like Senator Flake has been checked out of politics and the economy for a long, long time. Again, where have you been? We're not. We're not. I'm not saying that the, the, the all Americans, when we're our most prosperous, we're not at our most principled. But there is enough examples in the crony capitalism that goes on in Washington, D.C. and on Wall Street to see that this is just not true at all. I, I was laughing when he said that while I was going through here following the transcript. Um. Real quick here, the, the articles of civic faith have been central to the American identity for as long as we've been alive. And again, 
I question that, that term civic faith because I place a lot of faith in God because he's proven himself to be uh, truthful and you can rely on him when he says promises, he says something he's going to do, he does it. Um, can you say that about our civic faith in America? Can you say about our civics in America that you can trust them and have faith in them? I, I'd have to question that. And, but he, he aligns this with, you know, the American identity. Uh, they are our birthright and our obligation. We must guard them jealously and pass them on for as long as the calendar has days. To betray them or to be unserious in their defense is a betrayal of the fundamental obligations of American leadership. And to behave as if they don't matter simply not who we are. It's okay to have faith in civics or articles. When he says the articles of civics, he calls it the articles of civic faith. It's okay to have faith in the articles of civics if they've proven to be faithful. But if they're not, and, and part of the articles of civic faith is the freedom of the press. Have they proven themselves to be faithful to the truth and to facts? You gotta ask that question and you gotta get an answer for that. Unbelievable. So it goes on down here. We're almost to the bottom of this. Now it seems that we, the architects of this visionary rule-based world order, I hate that, that term world order, uh, that has brought so much freedom and prosperity are the ones most eager to abandon it. Um, again. <laughs> Folks, this man is checked out of reality. Brought so much freedom and prosperity. Folks, do you know how much pain and suffering that are foreign interventions? Uh, the war hawks like John McCain and Lindsey Graham have caused around the world. Do you know how much pain and suffering we've caused? And if the globalists, the, the folks of the New World Order, had their way, there would be more of it. There would be a lot more of it. Again, here's a man that has just checked out of reality. He really has. Um, the implications of this abandonment is profound, and the beneficiaries of this rather radical departure in American approach to the world are the ideological enemies of our values. What are what are our values? Washington and both Washington and Jefferson said that we need to be friends, that anybody wants to be our friends, but not be entangled in their internal politics. Almost like a almost like the Starfleet's prime directive. And yet <laughs> how much do we interject ourselves in the world when we don't need to be? that we want to impose our values on other folks. If these are the values he's talking about, these globalist New World Order values, no thank you. The values that he should be talking about and he doesn't are the, the ideas of freedom and liberty and justice. We've been talking about that for a couple weeks now. How justice should roll down like a river. The justice would be that as, as I have obtained opportunities and benefited from them, I make sure... I'm not closing the door behind me. Then I let this, just like justice, I let this roll down like water. 
That's part of the justice that these opportunities, it's no different than the opportunity God has given us through his son Jesus Christ to become adopted children of his through salvation. And the doors, the door has never been shut behind those that have come before us. They, through their opportunities of, of preaching the gospel, have made sure and ensured that has been preached today. These values that, that Senator Flake have, I don't know where he gets them from or these ideas, but they're not American. They're far from it. They're far from the ideas of freedom, liberty, and justice. The principles that underline our politics, the values of our founding, are too vital to our identity and our survival to allow them to be compromised by the requirements of politics because politics can make us silent when we should speak and silence can be uh, can equal complicity or complicity. Um, why do you think there's a whole new type of media on the internet to, to combat the lamestream media, to combat politicians like you and the values you have? We're not being silent. We recognize what the actual values of America is and they're not what you're saying that they are. You're not following the Constitution. You're not following the principles of our founders and the framers of the Constitution. You're doing everything but that. And yet you want to show these as values. They're not values of virtues. They're not. They're the opposite of values and virtues. And then he goes on to say, Mr. President, I will not be complicit. Again, where have you been the last eight years? You've been complicit your whole senatorial career, Senator Flake. Unbelievable. So he talks about he's freeing himself from the political considerations that consume far too much bandwidth and would cause me to compromise far too many principles. Folks, and this is to Senator Flake too, you're already compromised. You've been compromised for the past eight years. Again, where have you been? And getting out, if you, if you hold these same values and ideas after you get out of the Senate, you're compromised. You're not going to do anybody any good. Sorry. It is clear at this moment that a traditional conservative who believes in limited government and free markets, who is devoted to free trade, and who is pro-immigration has a narrower and narrower path to the nomination in the Republican Party. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking traditional conservatives who believe in limited government and free markets and devoted to free trade and who is pro-immigration. Again, where have you been? You're not, you're not free market. How many bills have you passed as far as regulation or how many bills have you actually passed to, to uh, deregulate uh, bureaucracies that hamper the economy? We don't live in a free market society. It's supposed to be. And for there are sections of the society and the economy that is free markets and we live by free market principles. But you're not devoted to free trade. The trade deals, the, the Trans-Pacific, I, I didn't read through the whole things, but I, some folks I trust got through them, some lawyers and stuff like that. It was a bad deal for the United States, bad deal all the way around. It would amount to uh, lessening our ability to, to free trade, not more free trade. So if this is what Senator Flake says that he is, which he's not, he's a moderate like George W. Bush and John McCain at best, they don't believe in limited government. He doesn't believe in the free markets. He's not devoted to free trade. Um, he is pro-immigration, but he's not 
and this is a term you have to parse out, folks. He is he's pro any type of immigration as long as people agree with it or, or the right people agree with it. He's not pro constitutional immigration. He's not. Or he wouldn't be speaking out against Donald Trump on that. So yeah, they again he's claiming to be something that he actually is not. And his politics and his uh, attitudes, his speeches, the bills he, he votes on, all point to the same thing. To be clear, the anger and resentment that the people feel at the royal mess we have created is justified. And yes, you have created this. You are part of the problem. So I am throwing blame. Senator Flake and, and other senators like you that have the same ideas that big government's the answer to everything, you are the problem. You are the problem in this great this uh, great republic. You know you're you're looking at this as being a democracy, which is where you're actually going wrong in your ideology to begin with. And we talked about this a lot on yesterday's show. Um, there is an undeniable potency to the populist appeal, the mischaracterizing or misunderstanding our problems and giving it giving into the impulse to scapegoat and belittle threatens to turn us into a fearful, backward-looking people. The only people that are doing this are moderates, progressives, social democrats, anti-freedom folks. They're the only ones that are doing this. That, 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 they, they want to scapegoat everything onto white, straight, heterosexual men, the intersectional feminists, these uh, Antifa groups in college, these communist groups in colleges. They want to scapegoat people that aren't the problem. And they want to belittle and threaten everybody that doesn't agree with them. We've talked about that past couple days. On Monday show especially. Oh, again, I don't know who his speechwriter is, but he should have sat down and crossed some of these things out. We were not made a great country by indulging or even exalting our worst impulses, turning against ourselves, glorying in the things that which divide us, and calling fake things true and true things fake. The only people I know that are glorying in the things that divide us are the exact same people I was just talking about, these child adults in college, progressives, anti-freedom folks, these social democrats in our country. I want to look at people... As just Americans, I don't care your skin color, your ethnicity, or anything like that. I want to look at people as Americans, and that's what I choose to do. But I get I get raked over the coals and taken to the woodshed when I do that because I'm a white heterosexual male, and there's no way I can do that. I, I I'm too racist, too misogynistic, the whole nine yards. Again, he's got this all backwards. Where you been the past eight years? When you where you been the past year and a half? And we did not become the beacon of freedom in the darkest corners of the world by flouting our institutions and failing to understand just how hard one and valuable, vulnerable they are. That's exactly what's been going on, Senator Flake. We've been flouting our institutions. We've been trying to uh, force democracy or force uh, republicanism, mostly democracy. That's what parliamentarianism is, or parliaments. It's, that's a form of democracy. It's not a republic. But they've been for, trying to force democracy on the rest of the world. Instead of being the shining example of freedom and liberty and justice for the world, we try to go out and force people. 
into these things. You can't do that. Because we have a healthy government, we must have healthy and functioning parties. We don't have a healthy government. The state of our union is not good, especially with the parties that are in control right now. Um, and, and this thing about never be afraid to, ne yeah, never be afraid to compromise. This is the mantra, the motto of moderates. Never be afraid to compromise. Doesn't matter if you're compromising your principles. Got to get something done. Got to compromise. If you're compromising the truth and facts, what do you have? You have nothing. You have nothing. You are nothing. And I see far too many senators and representatives compromising the truth and facts. I see far too many folks in the lamestream media doing the same thing. Oh, we just, we have to compromise on, we have to agree to disagree. No, sorry, I don't do that. I will never do that. I will never agree to disagree. Now, if it's a matter of opinion and it doesn't go against my principles, I guess I could say I could agree to disagree. But even then, there has to be some ground you can stand on that's firm it's truthful, common sense, logical, and it's, and it's filled with facts. Compromise is the motto, the mantra of the moderate, folks. Uh, Mr. President, a graveyard is full of indispensable men and women. None of us here is indispensable. Um, I don't think he polled all the senators. Um, Diane Feinstein, she's in her 80s, uh, is talking about running for another term. Uh, John McCain, he's got brain cancer and he's going through treatment. Um, shouldn't he step down for medical reasons? If he, was a, if he was an honorable and conscientious man, wouldn't he do that to let somebody else in there that, could, that has all their faculties? Shouldn't these folks, uh, these uh, Congress folks who are on these uh, uh, drugs for Alzheimer's, especially Alzheimer's and dementia, how are they fit to serve? Honestly, if, if they had any ounce of character in them, uh, they would step aside and deal with their conditions. It's almost like we have a bunch of puppets up there that their staffers are propping up to keep them going. Um, nowhere, nowhere even the great figures from history have toiled at these very desks in the in the very chamber to shape this country uh, that we have inherited nor even you know they weren't indispensable and they knew that i don't think they were any grand delusions about that what is indispensable are the values that they consecrate in philadelphia and in this place values which have endured and will endure for so long as men and women wish to remain free these are the same values that you you admit to champion to or want to say you champion, but you don't. If if every senator would adhere to the Constitution and the value set forth in the Constitution, we wouldn't be in this hot mess that we're in today. We wouldn't have the size of the federal government that we have today. It is just unreal. And, and there's going to be people who will not read this. They'll listen to it and say, yeah, it was a good speech. Was it fiery? No, but, you know, it was a good speech. I agree with a lot of the stuff he said because I'm against Donald Trump, too. And that's why it surprised me when I seen some of my antagonists on Facebook uh, applaud Senator Flake for this. 
<laughs> I was like, oh man, can you know, give, give me a break, man, give me a break. <laughs> Lincoln knew more about healing enmity and preserving our founding values than any other American who has ever lived, and that's just not the case. The more I study Lincoln, the more I actually dig into history and compare what he did to the Constitution, uh, the more uh, the more I'm not liking Lincoln and, and his presidency. You know, I'm not liking the politician, Lincoln. Uh, his words from his first inaugural were a prayer at his time and are no less than ours. We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Uh, though passion may have uh, strained it, it must not break our bonds of affection. Uh, the mystic cords of memory will swell when again touched, and surely they will be by the better angels of our or they will be by our better angels of our nature. Where was Lincoln's better angels when he was putting reporters and citizens in jail, uh, suspending habeas corpus, uh, trotting underfoot the Constitution? Where where was his better angels? And thankfully he said, thank you, Mr. President, I yield the floor. <laughs> that was the best part of the speech. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to, to make light of that, folks, but come on. I think more time. I, th I think the more time we we spend reading the text of these speeches that these uh, great politicians make, I think the less we're going to hold them up on a pedestal like a lot of folks do, like like a lot of folks do in the Republican Party with John McCain. I don't understand. Yes, he was a war hero, but what does that have to do with his just totally abhorrent behavior as a Republican and a politician? The two have nothing to do with each other. You'd think they would, but they really don't. So, all right, folks, that was uh, that was the speech. Hopefully, I wasn't too brutal on him. But, folks, it's again, he's he was checked out for almost eight years, especially during the Obama administration, and now he's waking up because President Trump he doesn't agree with some of the stuff President Trump's doing. And again, I, I would ask you to please go to thedanclemmershow.com and check out the show notes page for this episode and and, uh, and, and just go over to the title, Did Senator Flake Flake Out? And I, I believe he did. I, I honestly do. Uh, folks, that's uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Sometimes I have too much fun on this show. Uh, <laughs> that's the music. But uh, and the end of the show, fear not, I'll be back with you tomorrow at noon. This has been the Dan Clements Show. I'm your host, Dan Clements, your constitutional warrior. Remember, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day, folks, and God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.